Well, hello everyone. This is the 8th of the 10th, 98. The topic today is the law of love. A lot of people seem to think they know what love is. They've read books on it, or they have a um, feeling of love in their hearts when they interrelate with each other. What I want to bring out today is the fact that love is a little bit more than what most people take it to be. Most people think of love as their relationships with others, the way they sexually interrelate with a beloved. And I point out that that in itself is a selfish form of love, where somebody is giving to somebody else because they're getting something from that other person, be it sexual satisfaction or... Uh, aspects of their relationship that they need fulfillment in themselves, companionship and so forth. Also this form of loving is emotional in its base and the emotions always relate to themselves, to the I, to the me. It is something in relationship to the I. You're emotional because you're drawing something to you and you're drawing your beloved to you. And the law of love is the opposite of that. It's when you lose yourself in love, when every pore of your being is simply there to give, to give to the beloved with no thought of the self. It goes away from the emotions, because emotions immediately cloud and distort. As I said, they cloud and distort in relationship to the self and what the self thinks it wants or needs. The law of love is clear, cold reason. It does not distort. It looks at truth only. It is clear because it has to see what to give to the beloved. Past, present and future. What the beloved really needs. Is the gift going to cause harm in the future? Is the gift rightly timed so it's produced the right effect? to produce the healing effect in the beloved. What is the psychology of the beloved? It takes quite some reason, some understanding, and it cannot be clouded by the emotions. It cannot be distorted in any way. It must know truly what is needed, and then to give the right gift at the right time. So love has often been said to make the world go round, and most people, it's really what, to them what makes the emotions go round. And so we'll look at what actually it is that makes the world go round. When you focus upon yourself, then what you do is that you draw everything to yourself. The selfishness in loving into relationship is essentially what causes suffering what causes pain and sickness. Ultimately, when you relate to another person with selfish motive, and at first the interrelationship is, is joyous for both, but eventually somebody stops giving. Somebody stops giving what the other demands or wants from that relationship. And as a consequence, pain ensures. As a consequence, the relationship breaks up, inevitably. 
what people have to learn to do is to interrelate in such a way that they don't have those demands, don't have those expectations, to simply give, but to give wisely. I've seen many people give, especially women, give in a loving way to those around them and be abused because they're very loving but those that they're giving to are not loving in return. Their love is more universal and embraceable, inherently not expecting that much in return. But inevitably, um, what you see is that people have this reaction to giving because of the amount of times they've been taken from, the amount of times their forms of giving have been abused. They can turn inward and produce these shells of self-defense around them for future giving. The problem here is that love here is not wise. The love is still based on the emotions. They haven't learnt to give to the right people in the right sort of way, to give properly to those who can actually benefit from the giving. This again takes wisdom. What I'm getting to is that many people think that when they give, it um, can, should be economous, giving without thought, just simply giving. And this is wrong in itself. All of us, for instance, have only a certain amount of possessions. Even the millionaire has only a certain limited amount of giving of money. And they actually have to carefully target if they're loving in their philanthropy, how to give. You know of the starving in Africa, the starving in the third world, in India and South America and places like that. Even in these rich countries such as Holland, we have many poor, many people in desperate situations. You can't give to all of them. You have to target your resources and you have to learn how to wisely give to the areas which are your special concern of giving. Again, this takes wisdom. Whether it's relationships or whether it's on a wider scale. When you take from all around you in order to satisfy your so-called love or your giving, when it's selfish love, because you're looking for something to make you happier, then what you're doing is causing the seeds of sickness and disease around you. Everything that is taken from the other must be in time given back. Understand that everything is ephemeral, everything is changing, everything is transient. There's nothing that is lasting in this world of forms. Therefore, when you hang on to that which is transient, 
as many people do in relationships, then inevitably there is pain that is the result. Those that are truly on the path of love know this particular law, know this particular lesson. And therefore, they are always seeking out that which is non-transient, that which is non-ephemeral, that which is lasting, that which is permanent, that which is, lies at the heart of life, the heart of all lives that I incarnate. Essentially, this form of giving is one of ever-expansion from the center that is your little universe outwards to the greater universe of which you are part. When you learn to give, you learn to serve. And when you learn to serve, so energy pours into you that gives you this feeling of love. Your consciousness expands, embraces the other. And male-female interrelationship or male-male interrelationship, whatever the form of love you have of a partner, is just the beginning of consciousness expansion. You reach out to that which is of like nature in yourself, in the beloved. And you try to make that permanent, lasting, real. And all of you know the sex act, for instance, is impermanence, does not last. So, in itself, it is not enough, it is not true love. It is a symbol of greater unions to come. As you reach out to your partner, you are endeavouring to explore the partner, explore all of the qualities, all of the nuances of the partner, the way that the partner interblends and harmonizes with you. And when there are points of harmony, there's what you call love. There's where you can touch the partner. There's where giving can eventuate, where true giving can eventuate. And where there are points of disharmony, there's the friction, there's the arenas that you must work upon to produce greater harmony, greater balance in the relationship, greater auric compatibility. Love, therefore, is a stretching out to know the beloved, to know the beloved in totality, and to incorporate the beloved in your aura, in your sphere of attainment. It means, therefore, greater and greater understanding. You enter into that world of the beloved, and then you push the world of beloved into greater bounds of realization, into greater fruition of revelation, of touch, of all the senses, including that of the mind. This is but the beginning of the expansion that is love, the expansion of the heart. Because the path of enlightenment starts from this particular point and goes outward. The beloved becomes not just a partner in bed, but it becomes the plant kingdom around you, all of nature. It becomes earth. It can become the solar system, this universe. It can become 
some world religion or become more than that and span outwards into multidimensional space. Each step of the way is to learn to identify with the beloved. Whether you're a scientist doing research projects in, say, the mineral kingdom, you're learning about that particular aspect. You're loving that particular thing that you're researching. This is a form of love. This is making love. Or a musician exploring music. Again, you're absorbed in the creative act of those notes and those sounds. You're expanding consciousness outwards into the universe. Everything that you reach out for, to touch, to explore, to give in your exploration, is expansion of consciousness, is the act of love. Love, therefore, is consciousness expanding outwards and onwards to embrace the total universe which is in itself the heart of being. You can say that all this creation is imperfect, has pain and suffering, because you yourselves have pain and suffering, because there's friction. You can say, therefore, that God incarnated in order to know more of himself, in order to cleanse arenas of pain and suffering within his or her body of manifestation. All the reason for incarnation is just simply this act of expanding onwards in consciousness of your soul. It creates these forms so that it can gain more information about the material world. It incarnates into physical bodies so that it can transmute base substance, the cells of your bodies, the astral and etheric constitution, the devic lives, permeated with human consciousness, permeated with mind, permeated essentially with love, and then draw that which is loving in response back to it. That is the purpose of evolution. God incarnates in order to expand his, her sphere of consciousness into greater realms of consciousness by transmuting those units of pain and suffering within that body of manifestation into units of love. Where there's no pain, there's no suffering. There's joy, inevitably bliss. Everything is expanding onwards and outwards in this way. It is similar to the process in the bar magnet. The difference between a lump of iron and a magnet is that in iron you have little positive-negative polarities all arranged in random or chaotic order. The, it consists actually of myriads of little bark magnets all mixed together in a jumbled fashion. Chaos. And when you get another magnet and you stroke it in an appropriate number of times, 
it arranges all of those little magnets inside the iron into order, brings them all into north-south polarity. And then from that comes the radiation, which is synonymous with each of you learning to love. Within inside each of you is a jumble of chaotic forces, chaotic emotions, mind mixed with emotions. And where there's the arenas of chaos, therefore we also see arenas of sickness and disease. And what love is endeavouring to do, as you learn to reach out to the beloved, as you learn to harmonise with the other's auric sphere, with the other's emotions if you wish, is to rearrange those jumbled chaotic portions of yourself into order, into polarities that are aligned with each other. And then from you, therefore, comes a magnetic radiation that attracts to you all like substances, like the bar magnet attracting to it all the other metallic elements around it. So you and your aura expands to attract to you all units that are in themselves loving, that of love itself. Likewise, as you travel upon this path of love, you see the disharmony, the chaos all around you, the points of pain, and wherever there is pain, there is sickness and disease, in society itself, in nature's kingdom and later on in the cosmos, as your consciousness expands to include the cosmos, to embrace the cosmos and its awareness. Wherever you see this chaos, wherever you see chaotic ordering, you work to interrelate it all into harmony, into beauty, into order, into ordered space. Ignorance, which is antithetical to love, from one definition of it, is just simply unordered space, chaotic space, chaotic minds, minds that are not functioning correctly because there's no logic to it. And transforming it through logic, through giving it reason, through giving it information, into ordered space, into logical space, into expansive, inclusive reason, this is the light of knowledge, the light of love. Those of you that are learning to love, therefore, you must first of all love yourself. You must first of all work upon the elimination of the ignorance within your consciousness. To eliminate the chaotic atoms there, and the chaotic atoms of mind, the chaotic atoms of your emotional body to integrate them and interrelate them into a coherent whole. And when you do that, and as you work upon yourself that way, then you reach out to others around you, wherever there are arenas of pain and suffering, wherever there is disharmony, sickness and disease. You work to produce bar magnets out of them. You work to turn them into ordered, harmonious spheres of good. And as you 
reach out to transform the chaos into order. So you learn how to do this. You learn about the natural systems around you. You learn about the capacities of the other potential magnets. You expand your consciousness to include not just yourself, but the all around you, in every direction which way you wish to do it, according to your inherent wisdom. You travel outwards from your space to the space of your beloved, and your beloved becomes the plant kingdom, your beloved becomes humanity itself, your beloved becomes all sentient beings and all spheres of activity, always reaching out to transform the chaos into order, into beauty. And wherever there's order and beauty, there you have song, there you have harmonies, the music of the spheres. There you have magnetism. And the magnetism attracts to you again the beloved, all the great beings of light and love that have travelled thus in past lives. They inspire you with vision. They inspire you with joy. If you're looking at yourself as a chakra system, then you'll find that the forces associated with your chakras are also chaotic on the whole. And that your head is the positive polarity in the base of the spine and sacral centre is the negative polarity. And the very centre of that is your heart. The heart centre is the centre of love. It is that which interrelates positive and negative into a fusion, into a unity. It is only from the heart that the energy of love can emanate. And it itself, its sound must come out to integrate all other forces into the body, in the chakras, in the nadis, into a unity. All hearts sing as one. All hearts are composed of the same substance. The heart of the universe beats out its universal flux, its pulsations of the laws of life, and your heart is attuned to it. It is a sound of oneness. It is the oneness that God used to create this universe with, or this earth sphere, this solar system, you yourself. All the chaotic elements within the body of deity were put into harmony, into a rhythm, into cyclic rhythm. And that rhythm is the his heart, her heart, beating out the pulsations of life, the songs of life. And as you awaken your heart, you awaken your heart to those songs. A God is just simply a being such as you or I that has learnt to transform all the chaotic elements within his her body of manifestation from past solar systems and expand it onwards and onwards and onwards in conscious application to include vaster and vaster arenas of space. And this is only done through love. There's only love that coheres all to it. 
that brings all to it within its embrace. As I said before, love is consciousness expanding. Love is, therefore, the revelation of the beloved. And as your beloved becomes more and more embracive of the whole, so the revelation of the whole becomes more and more complete, more and more infinite. This is the secret of enlightened being. All beings, whether they are Christ or Buddha or any other being on the path to light, must work upon the cleansing out of unordered space within them, the chaotic substance. They throw out the negative pulsations of life, the arenas of sickness. Because love in itself is that which produces health, perfect health, perfect beauty. No, all great beings, all great enlightened beings are healers by necessity, by the very action of their process of becoming enlightened beings. There's not an ounce or a shred of sickness that can be in their bodies, in their thoughts, in their emotions, because there's nothing separative. There's nothing that relates to the self at all. It is all going out to give, all going out to heal. All is in harmony within themselves, and the whole aura is an aura of harmony. It is very potent in that harmony. It is a magnet with very, very strong radiations coming from it. Thus, when you look at the pictures of the Buddha and enlightened beings, you see their very strong auras around their heads and their bodies, their halos, indicating the potency of the radiation coming from them. When you compare to your auras, your auras are swirling, motor-filled energy fields, swirls going this way and that, because it is chaotic, not ordered. And these swirls going this way and that is what causes the diseases, causes the weaknesses in your aura and the weaknesses in your body. Therefore, what I'm saying is as you learn to love, you learn to heal. It's the only real effect of love, in many ways, is that it is the healing potency in this universe. It's that which produces perfect health. It's that which produces enlightenment consciousness. It's that which is antithetical to chaos. And chaos and selfishness are the same things. When you are selfish, you take from this balance, this order around you, in order to feel, feed an empire within your body, which fights against love, which fights against harmony. Because when beings build empires of selfishness around them, they produce the type of world we see around us. Little boxes and of bricks and mortar around us emotionally, little boxes of bricks and mortar on which we put our bodies, nations manifesting weapons to fight other nations for bits of land, all selfishness, individuals likewise willing to defend their personal territory, their emotional territory from others' incursions, 
when you have this inherent warring and strife, that is just another way of sickness, is it not? Sicknesses, those warring forces and entities within you that war against your health, that war against your peace of mind, that war against your emotional stability. And this is antithetical to love. Work, therefore, at producing internal harmony within your emotional body, within your mind. Integrate it with the harmony of the all. When in meditation you start to awaken the heart center and you start to reside in that heart, then you begin to live within the consciousness that is space itself, within the heart of all enlightened beings. You find that there's no separation. There's no differentiation as such. There's myriads of sparks to the flame. And the sparks themselves are different colors and different intensities of light. But it's all the one flame. There's all the one being. There's all the one consciousness. There's all the one life. And this is the law of love that governs all that is. We have the concept of separation as we look at each other's forms sitting here as we look at each other's eyes and legs and so forth, male and female. But when we go inside, close our eyes, and link heart to heart, we see that the radiation flows from all hearts to meet all hearts in one common ecstatic embrace. There's then no separation. There's collective consciousness, collective awareness, and all awarenesses of this nature are working for only one thing, to produce harmony and beauty and order in space, the space that we are and the space that surrounds us of which we are but part of. And the greatest enlightened mind is just simply one who walks on this particular law of love to reach outwards to further dimensions of space, to greater regions of space, to get to know that, to get to touch the beloved, even more and more so, to harmonize all within that which that being is. And that in itself is bliss. You only have pain and suffering when you think of yourself. When you think of yourself as separate from something else, from another being. When you Add things to yourself that are transient. When you stop thinking of yourselves and you just think of the other and think of helping the other or think of producing order and beauty and harmony within the consciousness of the other, within the consciousness of the space that you are part of, there's no such thing as suffering. There's no such thing as pain. Sure, they can do to you as they did to Jesus and crucify you on a cross, put nails through your hands and so forth. But your consciousness and then is his. Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. Simply that. They are attacking the law of love. They are attacking the Lord of love through ignorance, through selfishness, through spite, through their vanity, through their pride, 
to their concretions of mind. When you follow his way, the way of enlightened being, then you follow what we call the, the fellowship of the Christ's sufferings. You see the sufferings of all sentient beings and you look downwards upon them and you know that you yourself cannot travel any further to light or love or greater awarenesses, what in Buddhism is called nirvana, until you have done everything you can to bring those sentient beings, those suffering ones, to your state of peace, to your state of tranquility, to your state of beauty, to your state of enlightenment. Only then can you travel onwards. This is the heart of the Bodhisattva vow in Buddhism. Um, they use it in the Sanskrit gata, gata, pragata, parasamgata, bodhisvaha. Gone, gone, gone altogether, gone, gone to the furthest shore, thus fulfilled. Basically what it means is that all life praises such a being who can relinquish their ties to this other shore of enlightened being that is full enlightenment, whereby you no longer need to incarnate until those beings have brought all to them and only then will they take the step onwards. There's no true enlightenment until those units of suffering that are really part of your consciousness embrace have been released from suffering. Thus these great enlightened beings in Kanato again and again and again, working out a plan, worked out by all of them, for the betterment of human livingness. The problem with enlightened beings working as a collective heart, working as one, and working for a plan that covers millennium in time, is that they cannot interfere with human free will. All human beings have got the free will to be selfish, or the free will to walk the path of love. They've got the free will to inflict pain and sufferings upon themselves and upon all around them, or to help themselves and help all around them. God has got the power to make spiritual robots so that all of you can touch you all with the magic wand and make you totally loving beings. But then you would be simply children, like it was with Adam and Eve before they knew not themselves, when they walked naked in the Garden of Eden and knew no such thing as sex, etc. And the purpose of evolution is not that level of spiritual innocence. The purpose of evolution is to make of you wise, as gods. And you do this and you learn this through the realms of pain and suffering. Through the realms of pain and suffering, you learn what not to do. You learn that to take from others around you and to do everything for selfish purposes produces for you 
and for all around you, hell. War states, the type of civilization you have around you, materialism and all the things materialism gives you, cold materialism, but not love, not that which is truly beneficial. This sickness, disease and pain and suffering. Inevitably, you learn that that is not the way after many thousands of incarnations or many hundreds of incarnations, depending on the individual concern. That the only way is to give and that to give and to give and to give until there's no other thought but the Beloved is the way out of this morass of suffering and death and sickness. And that way is the way of wisdom. That is the way of becoming an enlightened being. That is the way of becoming God's yourself. Your heart always expanding to be inclusive of the hearts of all that is around you. Everything is sentient, everything is alive, and everything is evolving. And compassion that evolution is the way of evolution of evolution itself. Everything in nature has its right place, its purpose. A lion exists to keep the grazing animals at bay. In other words, so they don't overconsume the grass that they must eat, so they don't starve themselves to overpopulation. Everything in nature, when you look at it, is perfectly worked out by the hand of God, by the mind of God, by the love of God and the agents of the love of God, which we call the divas and the hierarchy of lights. Everything is perfectly worked out so as to produce harmony and order and continuous evolution towards greater and greater expansions of love, towards the human stage such as we are and then onwards from this human stage the superhuman stages that makes of us lovers of all. Your body is perfectly worked out. Within your body you have male and female polarities, male and female aspects. And those male and female aspects must be sought out. Some men are quite feminine in their constitution. Some women are quite masculine. And... Inevitably, the male and female polarity must be sought out and fused within and without the body. This is the secret of yoga, the highest forms of yoga, the tantra yoga. That which is within is also without. That which is without is also within. And as you discover the laws of beauty, the laws of harmony within yourself, you discover them also without yourself. The two are the same, the internal universe and external universe. And both obey this law of love. Both come from the one source, the one magnetic center. I was aware that sacrifice was somewhat uh, interrelated with love and I was wondering how, how one deciphers exactly what is right to sacrifice in their lives and what is not. The adage is sacrifice sanctifies. Sacrifice is that which makes you divine. Sacrifice is that which brings the highest 
bliss into your consciousness. Because what is it that you're sacrificing? You're sacrificing your personality self. You're sacrificing your attachments to those things that are female, those things that are transient. So that you can give yourself more to the beloved. So you can give yourself more to the good of the greater whole. And as you give yourself more and more to the good of the greater whole, so the energy field that sustains the greater whole absorbs you into it. You become merged with it. The process of sacrifice is not, you know, for instance, taking a knife and killing yourself, uh, as some may sometimes think, or sort of mortification of the body as the Buddha tried two and a half thousand years ago and found that it was not the way. Mortification means starving yourself and going through all those severe sort of penances and and uh, or becoming celibate monks necessary in a monastery. These things is what often people think of sacrifice. But I think more of sacrifice as living in amongst the society as it is and working in amongst it and giving to it daily what it needs, becoming an example for that society of the way to live, building a society around you that is an example for this greater materialistic society of the right way to live. You sacrifice, in my case, for instance, I could prefer to sit in a monastery and, and read some nice spiritual books and paint some poetry and write books and, and meditate and meditate and develop great powers. But that, to me, is not the best way to helping people. The best way is to be in amongst them. To sacrifice what can be seen as a comfortable lifestyle in order to help the many that still live in darkness, still have arenas of chaos in their minds, arenas of chaos in their physical and emotional bodies, to try to shed light to that, to try to bring them in those arenas into ordered harmony. And as they manifest more ordered harmony within their consciousness, within their lifestyles, so um, my love can grow for them and for those that they reach out to. And this is sacrifice. As you sacrifice your own needs in order to help the others around you, you sacrifice your attachments to material things, your attachments to ephemeral things. But all the time, you're giving the best and wisest way to those with whom you have karmic connections with. So then, you get sanctified. So then the Lord of Love can bless you with his, her energies. And those energies can thrill through your consciousness, through your veins, and lift you to the highest good, lift you to the highest centers, center of um, dynamic being, to God, to enlightenment consciousness. Sacrifice brings in the highest of all energies. Uh, I use the term cosmic electricity um, to give an idea of this that which transforms every cell in your body into living light. Most of you have, yet, have not yet thought much in terms of energy and what energy does to you and how energy is contacted through love and through loving into relationship. 
when you're constantly giving outwards to those around you to produce harmony and beauty and order in their lives. So the energy that comes into you from the lords of harmony and beauty and order are very intense according to the capacity of you to give. So the lords of life give to you. The more that you can receive, the more you must give. The more that you give, the more you must receive. And as you give out to greater and greater numbers of beings, to a greater and greater universe around you, so the energy that comes in becomes more and more intense, more and more joyous, 